Hey, Frank. Happy December. I can't believe it's December. That's very mean of you to say. Oh, gosh. December 1st. We are recording on December 1st. Uh, it went from March to December. What did you dur- do during March, December? <laughs> Oh, wow. That's a great question. I put on an extra 10 pounds, which I'm going to get off with my DIY Peloton that we'll talk about in the future. Um, what else did I do? I did a lot of hiking, uh, moved around a little bit. We, I did a lot of drone footage. Uh, I put on extra weight. I think I told you that. Um, you've been uh, you've been showing off a bit with the hiking and the droning, making me a little bit jealous over here. I think that you are trying to like jealous me into getting my own butt outside, but... Not going to do it just yet. The peer pressure hasn't kicked in fully. But oddly enough, I always wait until the winter to try to get healthy. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see if I end up doing that. This That's winter. what I'm doing. I'm ready for Apple Fitness Plus. Come on. Come on, bring it on, Apple. I'm ready. Uh, you know, the countdown is on. It still hasn't been released yet. Late 2020. Frank, it's pretty late into 2020. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it'll come out like December 24th so we can start getting the pounds off or something like that right Mm -hmm. i i didn't even know that that was when they announced it i thought it was going to come out instantly as if you you haven't heard of this it's like fitness workouts on the tv that integrate with your watch and put a heads-up display on your tv nerdy workout stuff at home but i'm excited for it too i think you got me excited for it uh i totally forgot about it though it's been so long in waiting I'll have to add you to my family plan because we're a big old family here. I mean, I think the thing that excites me about kind of going into the winter is 2021 is looking pretty good. Um, You know, I am am excited overall, even though it does get dark early. It's been really sunny um, recently, which has been really good. I've been doing a lot of hiking, drinking some good beer. Again, not trying to drink too much beer because I may put on a little bit extra weight like I've been talking about. But I'm trying to get it off. I I think the weight is my hair, Frank, to be honest (laughs) with you. I believe that I've seen some recent videos of you. I hope everyone's seen some recent videos of you. It's funny with the beer because I used to go out to a bar once or twice a week and now I don't. So if I have one or two beers, I am completely drunk and (laughs) swerving around on the one wheel. So it's kind of nice to be um, a cheap date right now. I like it. (laughs) You've been holding up. Okay. I assume during, during this March, December. Um, no, but you know, no one is, so it's fine. <laughs> Find but my at least, own ways at least you have a you have a weekly connection, nice hour and a half sync with me. I mean, it keeps me sane at least, so I do appreciate that. I do, I do. You keep me a lot sane. Plus, I have my Twitch crew, and my Twitch crew keeps me sane, so they're, they're kind of nice. I have two support groups that get to listen to me complain, and all of you, dear listeners, <laughs> I won't complain anymore. Well, good. Well, good. No, you should complain as much as you want. Uh, But actually, we have some feedback because you, Frank, got an M1 Mac Mini. I talked to our good friend, Mikel de Acaza. Ooh, yes, ding. I was was talking to him today. He was excited. He asked me what apps he should install on his shiny new um, M1 machine. I said, you should probably install Frank's apps because I hear they're pretty fancy. Uh, But we were pretty excited. Him and I were going back and forth on it. And we actually got an email from, I'm going to say it's Gramey. Uh, G-R-A-E-M-E. Cool name. And uh, they were saying that they said, uh, following up on the recent M1 episode, we did, we've done like two now at this point. Hmm. They said, I purchased a new M1 MacBook Air with 16 gigs of RAM and one terabyte upgrade. Pretty cool. 
said his their previous MacBook was a 2016 12 inch MacBook base spec. Now that's the MacBook, not MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. not MacBook Air. That's the one I had, and um, that is not a that is not a delightful machine to develop applications on. I'll be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> they said I used to develop the use that machine to develop Xamarin apps in Visual Studio for Mac, and also as a build client while using my work laptop, a Dell oh. XPS 15. What a workhorse, that yeah. little computer. <laughs> it is. No, it is, truly. They said they've been a Donut developer for a long time, love Xamarin, love being able to do cross-platform. They said, well, the MacBook did okay. It just took a long time to compile applications. They're building out a cool HomeKit application, but for controlling and automating devices in an RV. That's very timely. Nice. Um, they said that the build time was taking about five and a half minutes to build from a clean build, which is very annoying. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I know that feeling. Uh, continuous takes seven and a half minutes to do ooh. a clean build. Yeah, I know that feeling. Not good. Well, they said that the new MacBooks are super fast. Um, they heard they were super fast and they are super fast because they bought one right away. And they said VS for Mac is running super fast now. Super <laughs> excited about it. They said the builds are down to one minute, five se- seconds using Rosetta 2. And oh any subsequent God. builds are only taking 20 seconds. They said this will really change how they develop with VS for Mac from now on, which is awesome because that's the MacBook Air. I mean, it's an M1 chip, yeah. but it's really cool. I, 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 that awesome story. Thank you for that story. That That's great. I have so much I want to add to it. <laughs> um, it's, uh, and that's with the JIT because um, Visual Studio for Mac runs with a JIT. It's not AOT'd or anything. Mm-hmm. I was noticing with my apps, if I turned on the AOT, they were just ridiculous fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you're not running through the JIT at all either, you're just taking advantage of the runtime and everything. And it JITs when it needs to. It has that hybrid mode. Oh, man, <laughs> that is a sweet spot. So if you're developing uh, Mac apps or anything, make sure you turn on that AOT because, oof call that lightning mode uh (laughs) that's pretty amazing uh and i don't want to turn this into another m1 episode james but i have a little update on that update yeah Yeah, news boop 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 uh i have returned my m1 oh no oh no oh no What happened? What happened? What'd you do? It's only been a week, Frank. What did you do to that machine? I know. I know. Uh, 11 days. Um, No, it's the machine's fault. Here's the problem. The machine was too good. I fell too much in love with it. And I went over to my old laptop, 2013 MacBook Pro. You know, a brick, basically. A a thing from the Stone Age. Vintage. Vintage (laughs) model. Maybe it was like the Bronze Age. It's somewhat modern. Um, And it turns out it can't up update to big sur and i was like "Ugh!" so it's hit that point in its life where it can't get new os updates which was sad um it's still going to be a great test machine for me because i support old versions but i had a brain thought james i'm like you know i need a new laptop these m1s are amazing i am going to trade up i'm going to return my nice cheap beautiful mac mini that was wonderful computer and spend a lot more money to get, ironically, the exact same specs. Uh, <laughs> a Yeah, the Air with the 16 gigabits and the 1 terabits. 
because you cannot get any other model right now. In fact, I am driving 250 miles to Spokane, Washington, across a mountain range in the winter in order to pick up my new prized little possession. So I will go an entire 12 hours without an M1, but I have updated and I'm so excited for my road trip. So did you get the MacBook Pro or MacBook Air? I went with the Air. My logic was um, I want to use it specifically for travel. And in that case, I just want the lightest, smallest form factor. And the price was already getting ridiculous. If I went up to the pro price, I just I, I just couldn't swallow it. James, I can't swallow that much money. Um, so uh, I, I think the Air is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and, and so much power and such a form factor. How great. Oh, my goodness. I'm... um. You know, I'm I'm really fascinated by this because I also have a MacBook Pro 2013, Frank. Rubin. Yeah. Hmm. Now, hmm. a little long in the tooth looking, <laughs> isn't it? Now, I will say this though: mine is a late 2013, which again was the last model. You had a spring or summer uh, 2013. So, I thought I had a late, but I don't recall. I don't. Anyways, recall. mine. Did, did yours get the update? It did. Oh yeah, okay. mine updated. I will say though, um, it is very hard to use. It, it's it, it's not an enjoyable experience <laughs> to 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 use, you know, Xcode or Visual Studio for Mac on this machine. And uh, I mean, it's just computer. not. I mean, it's seven years old. You know, I and, know. But I, I look back. I developed my first iOS apps. I developed my first MonoTouch apps back when it was called MonoTouch on the bottom bare basement macbook laptop so some part of me says you're just old and cranky but the other part of me says you're old and cranky i got i have zero patience anymore in my life i just i want those one minute builds not those five minute builds i wonder if i can get a trade-in that would be kind of cool i mean i would say it would be really hard for me to get rid of this macbook pro 2013 inch because it has all my cool stickers on it it was Mm. you know my first device that i got when i started at xamarin um you know it's but it's my it's first still Mac. a good build machine. Honestly, yeah. it, it could spend a whole another five, 10 years as a server. Like it's a great little server. Yeah, that's a good point too. I've had a lot of questions now that you've, you know, returned it and, and are, are, you know, fighting the elements to get a MacBook. There's a lot of questions on Twitter. Maybe you could answer this for me, which is people were like, I want to be able to compile my app on an M1 chip. But that doesn't make any difference though, right? No. No, um, compilers, most compilers are what you call cross compilers now, where they can output for a variety of architectures, processors, things like that. It depends on what exact compiler you are using. Um, if you're on a Mac, the compiler has a bunch of switches to say, or they might have different versions of the compiler, one for building uh, ARM binaries, one for building x86 binaries. So you just call the right one of those. But no, in software is software. Any compiler can output anything, but uh, you just can't run it. <laughs> you know, so if you want to build an M1, you're probably going to want to run an M1. That's the trick. Yeah. So if you wanted to today, an ideal scenario, I'm assuming if, if you're an Xcode, you can already do this, which is check a checkbox and say, please also compile my application, my Mac, my Mac application for ARM. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I would assume that's a thing. I don't think Xamarin Mac has it yet, but um, that could be an option. But again, you can't run it. And that's very similar to how I do my you know, UWP apps. There's 
checkboxes that say I would like x86, x64, and ARM. Like, please go create those for me. I can't test ARM because I don't have a Surface X, but I assume it works okay. Yeah, and Mac has had fat binaries for a long time. We've always dealt with these, especially in iOS, because every iOS library basically comes with an x86 version so that it can run on the simulator and then an ARM version to run on device. So for years, we've been shipping around fat binaries. Now they're just throwing in a third architecture, which also happens to be ARM, but it says like ARM for Mac. You know, it's a very specific because what you have is the processor architecture, that's ARM. And then you have the ABI, the application binary interface, and that's more operating system dependent. Got it. Did you get space gray, gold, silver? Uh, not by choice. I got the, the dark one. Uh, hmm. What's that one? Space gray. I, I, I was I was trying to get the gold. I'll be honest. I was like, look, if I'm if I'm buying a ridiculous machine here, I'm gonna make it look ridiculous. But uh, I'd, I would have had to drive to Idaho, 450 miles one way, in order to get the gold one. I decided to save the guess and get the dark gray one. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. Like all the Xboxers are sold out, Playstations are sold out, these MacBooks are sold out. I've heard the same story. It's kind of a crazy weird holiday rush i avoided all black friday and cyber monday i didn't buy anything i I shopped a little bit local but i just did you know curbside pickup over the weekend for for something that i didn't even i just there's no sale i just like you support local but um yeah it's fascinating like you know it's a it's a tough time to be releasing a new product because no one can get them it's kind of good in a way that you can you know work out some kinks in the system but at the same time it's kind of annoying that like oh i gotta go drive 200 miles to go pick up a device. But, um, yeah, yeah, I I am excited if I kind of want one now. Right. I mean, (laughs) it's kind of, you know, I was listening to a few other podcasts about the new Xbox, right? Same with the PlayStation is it's not like there's even like crazy exclusive new software for these devices, but the difference is like load time, right? It's just like, everything's faster. Everything's just like, like, Oh, it's not like it's revolutionizing everything. I'll go, the graphics are better and everything loads faster. But like, when I go and play Gears or play another game, they were talking specifically about Assassin's Creed. They're like, everything loads in like a few seconds. Like, I no longer have to mm-hmm. sit there for minutes to the compile times. It's like the same thing is all we really want is this. I want things to be faster. But I feel like with a lot of our laptops for a long time, we were sort of stagnated in a weird way, right? We were like, this is, this is the best it's going to get. Like, this is... I can only put so much RAM in here. I can like the Intel chips are only going this fast and I don't want to dog Intel because my desktop computer is a beast, right? And I moved away from laptops, but it's really cool to see this resurgent that the M1 is this crazy beast that's going to push the industry forward, right? With their crazy GPU, their neural engine and this crazy one M1 chip. And I'm hearing rumors, I was listening to tech meme that the uh, M1X chips are not that far behind. I think we're thinking a few months here, Frank. I'm I'm sure, because you can kind of get a feel for exactly how many dies they made as you're trying to order these computers. There aren't very many versions of the M1. There is the 7GPU version, the 8GPU version, and those two versions either have 8 gigs of RAM or 16 gigs of RAM. There's only about four SKUs of this thing right now, and I'm sure when they were going to production, they had many, many more SKUs than that going into it. Uh, You don't want to dog Intel. I do. (laughs) Um, 
this is just making it so blindingly obvious the problem with monopolies and monoculture and those kinds of things. Apple is making innovations, not just for their own OS, but they put in hardware to make JavaScript faster. You know, Hmm. why hasn't Intel been doing that? We all just run JavaScript all day, constantly in every app. Of course, that stuff should be optimized. So, um, yeah, I don't want to dog Intel, but um, it's kind of obvious now that they've been holding us back. Um, then again, we I, I bring this up every time. We software developers have to do our part, too, because this is an eight-core machine that, while fast at single-threaded, it's definitely a fast machine single-threaded to get the most bang for the buck you got to light up all eight of those cores and we software developers have to make sure we're writing our multi-threaded software it's true right it's like the the same thing with any new hardware that comes out is unless you're optimizing you're doing stuff and you're putting junk on it then you will continuously get junk results at the end of the day and you know we need to recompile we need to redo our stuff we need to optimize things if we all decide to run you know, I don't want to dog Electron, but Electron apps all day on, you know, underpowered laptops, then we're going to get that because, yeah, you, you know, Electron apps run great on my my desktop machine, but that's not what everybody has at the end of the day. So it'll be fascinating to see how this goes and to see how your new laptop comes. I'm ready for the yeah. review next week. Uh, and if I really should go all in or should I wait? I think that the, <laughs> what, what they were saying on tech meme was, uh, that the M one X will be in the 16 inch pro because that one only Ooh. has the Intel currently. So that would be yeah. hefty. They might want a fan too or yeah. something for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, you know, if I was being a good person, I'd probably honestly wait for the M two in a year or two mm-hmm. to come out. Cause it's a version one product, but w- what a good version one product. So I'm going to enjoy just owning, owning that first generation of it. And the speed stuff is real. Have you seen that video where someone just goes through the dock and opens every single app and they all just open, like they don't delay or anything. They just open. And then, uh, uh, for the neural networks, I'm actually a little bit excited because it turns out when you're training a neural network, you spend a lot of time transferring data from CPU memory into GPU memory. And that actually can be a substantial amount of time. And these are unified memory architectures where all that RAM is being shared between both devices. So it should be awesome fast. Anyway, that's all just a preview. I can't wait to do some benchmarking with machine learning on it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, right? I think like as we unlock more potential of these devices, um, that we'll just, we'll just, you know, want more out of them. But I think you said something fascinating though, too, which is this is a really great gen one product. And I don't think we see that enough these days. And I, I'm not, I'm just talking generically because I have purchased a lot of gen one products, right? I've purchased the original Nintendo, you know, you know, 3ds when it came out. Right. And it was okay, but I upgraded to the next two models and then it was great. You know, there's a lot of smaller hardware things that I buy, whether it's, um, you know, fitness equipment or watches or routers or, you know, surveillance equipment, you know, like housing, you know, security cameras, things like that. I feel like sometimes we're in this, this place we've been told like, Oh, it's a gen one product. It's a first release of the app. Like, you know, you're just an early adopter. (laughs) You know, that's what we've been told. Like, it's okay. You're just an early adopter. But I kind of feel like 
this release of the M1 processors, from what I'm hearing and everything like that, is you know what, you are an early adopter, but it sure doesn't feel like it. And that's kind of cool feeling. Yeah, to have the confidence. I'll be honest, I also bought the cheapest Mac Mini because I wasn't too confident. Mm. You and I have had the DDK for a while, and it's a great little machine, but it's not impressive. But I, I mean, it's a good machine, but it's just not like blowing me away or anything like that versus when I had the M1. So I got a little beta test there. I took advantage of the return system and got to demo it. And so I was able to, I I was willing to spend the bigger bucks and oh boy, was it a lot more bucks uh, because I had that confidence that this wasn't a lemon that this, I'm trying to think of like a bad V1 product. Um, I mean, there are so many, that's why we're bringing it up. But I actually just thought of a good V1 product, Uh, the uh, Amazon Dingus, Echo Dingus. That was a good V1 product, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they're few and far between, so definitely enjoy them when they happen. Yeah, you know, being a software developer, we sort of have this advantage and privilege that we're able to update our software frequently, right? It's kind of, we're in this cycle now that we're able to update things on demand very quickly. I think about vehicles in a way, you know, we had just gotten a a newer uh, Subaru Forester and it has, you know, it's an older model 2017, but it has uh, the eyesight technology in it, Mm. um, which is, is sort of like the assist mode. So it will automatically speed up and slow down when you're on cruise control based on detection of cars in front of you. It I will... love that. Let, let me just interrupt. I absolutely love adaptive cruise control. I'm a car so guy. I, I got my career started working on cars. So I, oof, I, uh, I, I miss that in my current car. My next car is definitely going to have it. I, I've only used it. This is Heather's car, but I, I like to drive. So I, I, uh, I've driven it a, a bunch. We've done a lot of hiking outside of the city. So we've been driving and it's great on the highway, obviously, but I mean, it goes down to a zero, right? A dead stop. And it's amazing. I can never go back. Like I just, it, <laughs> it's impossible. Every time that it's off, I want it to be on. It just is amazing, but it also has the lane assist too. So it keeps you in the lane, um, which works really well too. And uh, that also amazes me. I have no idea how it works, but it has also auto stop. So if like you're going under like you know, certain speed, obviously it'll try to stop automatically if you're going to run into something, uh, like another car. Uh, and, uh, it also has the auto backup camera. So it'll automatically stop if you're about to back into something, but then literally we were sitting at a stoplight and I was letting someone come out in front of us. And I got a little notification that says the car in front of you has, has, has gone forward or whatever. Right. It's like, Mm. it's, it's, it's already sped up because I was letting someone out and I was like, this is amazing. But like, Subaru had one chance to really get it right. I know that they can upgrade the software, but pretty sure I'm, unless it's a Tesla, I don't really, I don't really know <laughs> a lot of car or software upgrading that occurs regularly because it's not something that they want to do. They're not doing OTA. This thing doesn't have cellular in it, but no. that's amazing, right? That like this stuff just magically works and like, they can't get it wrong. Like they can't get it wrong. They have to get it right. Yeah. That's the kind of software development I started in, where we call them real-time systems, safety-critical systems, whatever you want to call them. There's a human involved, and we can't kill the human kind of systems. And it's a wonderful form of development because you're being all thorough and you're going through QA. I learned my quality stuff all in that environment. 
but they all suffer from exactly what you just said. They have to get it right that first time. And you don't want to say like, we released it with a bug that we'd like to patch because you're (laughs) implying that it's not safe at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's honestly how a lot of the automakers felt. They felt like they were opening themselves up to vulnerabilities and lawsuits and things like that. Whereas modern cars are just taking a note from software and saying, well, of course there's bugs and uh, we're going to try not to kill you, but uh, we're going to do our best and we're going to keep updating it. It's quite a revolution, that change. And it's really interesting. Going back to your car As far as I know, it's using pretty much the same radar every car uses. There's one company that produces these nice radar boxes for cars, and they actually have all the intelligence and stuff kind of baked right into them. They're almost like a a turnkey solution. You can actually go onto eBay and buy them, and if you figure out how to talk to them correctly, you could add all this stuff to your car yourself. But uh, it's kind of funny because... Those are products, whereas Tesla's kind of like designing their own. So it's like, do you buy an off-the-shelf commoditized one, or do you build one yourself? And a lot of these automakers are having to decide if they're going to become software technology companies, or if they're really just going to keep staying uh, as supply chain assemblers. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And you know, on that on that note with Subaru. Um, it, that that's cool about the the two eyes. So there's two cameras in the front. It's you know that's why they call it a second pair of eyes because there's only two eyes looking at at it. And it kind of felt like that. It kind of felt like hey, this is tried and true. Like someone did this because they're the same on every single car and they come standard now on every Subaru, no matter what model, which is really cool. In 2017, they did not. It was a premium add-on. So luckily, this Craigslist person did that. But uh, you know what's what's fascinating is at that time. You could also tell that Subaru was attempting, and any, if anyone works at Subaru, I'm so sorry, um, but they attempted to build like a web-based next-generation media player for the car yeah. called Starlink or whatever is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's such, it's like, it's so terribly bad and like they have a terrible app and it's like all this stuff and they're like, oh, well, we can update the app. We can do this. Like, yeah, but you can't update the software that's on the box in the thing. So forever it's terrible. It's like the worst thing ever in the world. <laughs> and again, they, in, in their mind, they're like, well, you know, if someone can't play Spotify or can't play music, that's not going to kill them. But so we're going to try to develop that ourselves and try to go through this thing. <laughs> uh, but we you know the other thing we're going to really lock in and, and be a vendor. So it's fascinating to see the decisions that companies make. It, it's so funny. You bring up the touchscreen connect. I I have to tell a little story of horror stories from programming past. I was working at a car company and we we were working on a car, which was specifically a new technology car. We were given money and told to make this car hot, (laughs) put put your best stuff in nerds. You know, what do you got? Put it in this car. And so we definitely went touchscreen. This is in days like before touchscreens were too common. And we definitely went with like um, voice recognition, all that kind of stuff. But we were a bunch of electrical engineer nerds. We didn't know, like, how to build a good user interface. You know, this was kind of my crash course into how do you build a good UI for a a system like this. And literally, James, 
the best we could come up with, we were trying to do like thermal controls. Do you want to make it hot in the car or cold in the car? I started drawing pictures of deserts and frozen environments. And I, I would like do them in MS Paint and scan them in. And then I wrote Visual Basic apps that displayed all that stuff on the dashboard with dials and sliders and things like that. And my ridiculous artwork made it to the top, top, top of the chain because <laughs> no one was there to replace it. And they just kept putting it through. Every demo I had my crazy artwork in it for how this UI should work. And so <laughs> I can 100 100 million percent understand how uh, these poor car companies are having to deal with this because they've just never hired UI designers before. It just wasn't a thing. They just never didn't need them. It's it's true. I mean, it it, it is something to say about how we're how we're lucky that we're able to update software, how we're able to update our user interface, modernize with the times. You know, like that dashboard unit will never update. It'll never be able to adjust with the times. It'll always be stuck in 2017, which wasn't that <laughs> far ago, but this thing feels like it's from 2004. Um, but you know, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about that. And I was just having a conversation with, oh, with our design team for the .NET website. And, uh, I was talking to Caitlin, just awesome. And we're talking about some page or whatever. I was like, I was like, hold on, I got an idea. All right, here comes the developer designer coming out of here, right? And she like cracks up because I'm like, like I, I got, I, I like to think I have a sense of design a little bit, but I'm also like literally talking to the head of design. I'm like, let me tell you, let me tell okay. you a great idea. In, in in defense of programmers, because we do have a bad reputation, we create programmer art mm -hmm. and we sometimes create quick UIs instead of good UIs and that kind of stuff. But I will say that we are discerning. We know what's a good UI and what's not, whether we ourselves create it or not. But we work with software all the time. We work mm -hmm. with so many different apps, with so many different UIs, that how can you not have be opinionated about UIs and that kind of stuff? Anyway, tangential there. I think we are qualified to discuss it. I think so a little bit. I think she appreciated it too, by the way. I mean, I say that <laughs> about myself, not about developers all up. Although, you know, you, know, <laughs> you, you can tell when someone had a professionally thing designed, right? Uh, yeah. You can definitely tell, like, you know, if I was to have designed Xamarin.com versus the Xamarin design team, um, I think that uh, their design might be a little bit better. But, you know. Sure, sure. But a, a movie critic can't create a movie either. So Very you true. can still be critical without being able to create. I like that critical. I like that critical without the, yep. I like that. That's a good point, Frank. Um, yeah. No, don't, don't let anything stop you from being critical. <laughs> hey, James, we are totally not talking about what we intended to talk about today. Well, it looks like we'll have to talk about that next week, Frank, because we're already at 30 minutes and <laughs> definitely How did not. that happen? What in the world are we going to title this show? Remember when we weren't going to talk about the episode that we almost didn't talk about the M1? <laughs> yeah, that's about it. We tried really hard. We've made it to minute five before. Uh, no, actually, you brought it up. I didn't do it. So I'm not taking the blame for this one. But I did sidetrack us with a story. I blame grimoire or whatever the individual's name is they emailed us and you can email us too you can go to mergeconflict.fm and you can have us ramble on about nonsense for 30 minutes car design you i mean i, I had fun i don't know I'm i this it. was just two programmers talking so that that's what you got this week everyone i, I hope you enjoyed it <laughs> have we mentioned that we haven't left the house in eight months so we're kind yeah, of, I'm, I'm really looking forward to my road trip to pick up this ridiculously expensive computer 
I, I'm, I'm just everything about it just is making me happy. You got your tire chains? I don't, but I checked. Uh, the pass is clear right now, and the weather is brilliant. Timing couldn't be better. Do it. Well, well may the force be with you. Um, actually, surprisingly, maybe we'll save some Star Wars for, for holiday. We'll do a holiday special this year for sure. Oh. Heather and I are, are re-watching all, all of Star Wars and Clone Wars so we can get up to date with Mandalorian. So that may be a fun holiday explosion, but let us put you on uh, in our holiday explosion by going to mergeconflict.fm, writing for us, hopping in our discord. So there's some good chat in there recently. I mean, we read these things, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on our, in our inbox, we, we love to know. So. Yeah. Um, and I think the last episode of the Mandalorian was the best bit of filmed star Wars in a very long time. So I'm, I'm excited for you to watch it and thank you all for writing in because obviously we read your ideas and then get totally sidetracked by them. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's going to do for this week's merge conflict. And thanks everyone for tuning in. And until next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.